right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, Linda and I have been battling over the, the Moderna vaccine all day. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Uh, she thinks I'm nuts because I'm like, yeah, of course I'd take that. But half my friends agree with her. They think I'm nuts. Um, so we got that. We got Lindsey Graham today. He's fighting back against it. Uh, he had some call with his this dopey Georgia Secretary of State. So third party now has weighed in and said, no, it's not what the guy said uh, at all who's on the call. Uh, we're going to get a first look at some polling numbers from Matt Towery. He wrote a pretty fascinating column on where the state of Georgia is right now in terms of the Senate race. And he actually said, advantage Democrats. Let me repeat, that would be a warning call to all our friends all over Atlanta, all throughout Georgia, Savannah, Macon. I, I can't even go through the entire state. You know who you are, uh, that you better pay very close attention. Uh, I heard that, read his column. He goes, I'm going to speak Georgia's talk to you. Just now you know what it's like to be a Georgian, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, well known throughout I mean, this guy knows polling in Georgia better than anybody I know, and I trust him as much as anybody that I know. Um, oh, by the way, uh, it, we got this report in the Daily Call. You know that guy in the viral video that sucker punched the Trump supporter? I mean, pretty vicious, right? And there was a lot of these incidents over the weekend. Anyway, according to the Metropolitan Police Department, they gave the name of this person, 39 years old, arrested, including inciting violence, aggravated assault, uh, felon in possession of a firearm, uh, having a handgun with him. Anyway, apparently registered sex offender, convicted in D.C. in 2008. You know, all these radical groups, they get infiltrated by people that have agendas. I mean, that happens all the time. And then, you know, you wonder, well, why are we having the violence? Why was Rodeo Drive and a Fifth Avenue in New York, all these expensive stores all boarded up? Well, because they were afraid that Donald Trump supporters with their kids in MAGA hats were going to riot. No, that wasn't it. Um, you, you just keep getting all of these anecdotal stories. Does it bring you to the point where the vote count changes the outcome of the election, no. Does it take away people's faith in elections? Absolutely, every one of them. Um, every story, you know, how did we find 2,600 ballots in Georgia? Just find them, what, yesterday? 2,600, oh, we just found 2,600 more two weeks later. Oh, sorry about that. I mean, how does that happen? Um, there was this incident that took place in Nevada they're now hitting Democrats there. The panic button. Clark County officials uh, had to toss the election results. This was according to a Vegas Review Journal piece that the discrepancies. Now, this is this was first reported by Rick Rennell uh, that the decision by Clark County officials, they actually tossed out the election results in a really close race because the same issues applied in Nevada's presidential vote which is separate and apart also anyway it's a race for clark county commissioner you got the democrat in the race ross miller defeating uh starvos anthony republican by 10 votes will people please remember this whenever there's an election every vote matters uh anyway the registrar of voters guy by the name of joe gloria said his office identified 139 
unexplainable discrepancies in the contest. And since the discrepancies were more than the margin of victory in the commission contest, that called into question the validity of the results of the race. And according to the newspaper there, and it says now county officials have directed Gloria to come up with options for a special election to decide that race. Rick Grinnell tweeted Monday, Nevada Democratic Party is in full panic mode. Clark County throws out an entire race because of fraud. The entire county's ballots are now suspect and the Democratic Party is freaking out. I mean, how does this happen in the United States? I mean, seriously, you know, I know I, I, I feel like a broken record. The idea that we have laws that it, statutory language that says partisan observers able to watch the count from start to finish and it didn't happen. Nobody bats an eyelash. I don't know. I think that am I the only idiot that thinks you should follow the law? That, that integrity and confidence and results of elections actually matter. I, I'm beginning to just sit here. Is there something wrong with me thinking that? Um, Breitbart had an interesting article. I'll get to that in a second. Um, WSIM, by the way, uh, had a, a report out about a disability service coordinator who works with developmentally disabled adults who live in various assisted living facilities around Milwaukee, saying every one of her more than 20 clients told her that they were either pressured to vote for Biden or had a vote cast for Biden before they ever had a chance to see their ballot. I mean, do these cases matter? Or are we just going to, like, accept, oh, it's fine, we got liberals. We got the result we want. What do we care about the rest of it? Uh, how about integrity in elections? Now, we listen, one thing Mark Penn said, he wrote a pretty interesting piece, and Mark Penn pointing out, you know, we, we, this is a pretty divided country. I mean, it's never been, and this is what I was saying in the lead-up to this election, I've never seen a Democratic Socialist Party emerge that actually have been saying the things that they want to do because what they used to do and did for years was they'd hide it. They were Democratic Socialists. Bernie Sanders was like an outcast, an outlier, and, you know, the crazy uncle. And and they just tried to, like, ignore him, but they needed his vote, so they would kind of appease him a little bit. But that is your Democratic Party. I mean, he's the main, mainstream of the Democratic Party. People in the media say, no, Joe's really a mod. Well, why did he sign the Bernie Biden manifesto? Why is he signing on to the New Green Deal and pledging trillions? Why is he going to put us back in the Paris Climate Accords, which mandates that we reduce our consumption of fossil fuels, Pennsylvania? <clears throat> Paying attention, Pennsylvania? Told you he was lying. I mean, he had said it. In the primaries, now he's going to do what he says. If he ever gets into uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, in his words, on day one. I mean, it's okay. Good luck with that. That's the lifeblood of the world's economy. Not going to work out well for anybody. And I'll tell you another putrid thing. I mean, Linda, did you see this yesterday? Bill Hammer was a good for him. You know, they have this press conference. Biden, by the way, gets lost again, like usual, in the middle of this thing. Finally, you know, it's going to be very hard for Democrats in the media because Hyden Biden is going to be dull. He's rarely going to be seen, in my opinion, especially compared to President Trump. 
you know, this guy is a walking gaff a second. Is like it's so obvious that he's weak, frail, struggling cognitively. They just have protected him the entire campaign. He was in the candidate protection program of the media and big tech companies. Big tech getting grilled on Capitol Hill today, as they should be. And it's like if you are going to go all in and protect, well, then you broke it and you own it. And I love these people that say that they're Republicans, but they are never Trumpers because they were so outraged over, well, he didn't act like every other president and he tweeted too much. You know, do you really believe that people were offended by tweets that much that their precious little sensibilities were so offended? I don't believe it for a second. And the idea that this this whole never Trump movement and the ads that they paid for I'm, Look, I'm a believer in free speech. You don't have to agree with Sean Hannity in life. That's fine. Um, but if, if you're going to tell us that you're really a Republican and a conservative and yet you go out and you take the guy that's governed most conservatively, but you're so offended by the way he did it that you're going to support a guy that is expressing radical leftism, socialism, and ideas that supposedly you'd been against your whole life. I'm not buying the lie. It is you bought into it all. you know. And if it, at the end of this process, your guy gets in, guess what? You broke it. You own it. And what happens as a result of these ridiculous policies that will end in spectacular failure is on your head, not mine. Because I tried to warn everybody exactly what would happen as loudly as I could, as often as I could. Socialism or their their stated policies that they support, if ever implemented, they are false promises it will ruin the underpinnings of any strong economy and just basically look at your Obamacare track record and pretty much every other issue, any other big city run by liberal Democrats for decades, they can't even keep you safe. They can't keep you secure. They can't stop the violence. They don't even try to stop the violence. They can't even clean the city streets, for example, in New York anymore. Then they want to defund the police. They're not doing a good job in any big city that I see run by liberal Democrats for decades in terms of education of our kids. I don't see it. Where are they doing a great job? Baltimore? Not really. New York City? Nope. Unmitigated disaster. How's the L.A. uh, school system doing? Not great. So if they fail in that regard, they fail with Obamacare. What makes you think that you're going to get this guaranteed government job, you're going to get the, your student loan forgiveness, guaranteed government wages, guaranteed uh, government vacations and healthy food and retirement and health care and everything in between. How, how are we going to pay for that while simultaneously getting rid of uh, the lifeblood of the world's economy? Because I don't see it. Biden comes out, does a few questions. How much do you hate Donald Trump today? Uh, I hate him a lot. How much do you hate Donald Trump? Really, really deep down inside, do you hate him? I hate him a lot. Um, you've been watching, you know, as Hammer comes out of it, he goes, well, you've pretty much been watching a love fest here between the mob and the media. 
Are they, you know, when are they going to ask him a tough question? I've never seen a guy run for president never have to answer serious questions and was aided and abetted in this in this candidate protection program bubble in the basement bunker. I mean, what are they going to do? Build a special bunker in the White House where Biden Biden can hang out for four years? Then who's going to make the decisions? You know, roll them out maybe once a day, twice a day for a few minutes. Hi, guys. Good to see you. No, no questions today. All right. Thanks, guys. You know, back to the bunker. It's it does not bode well. Twelve questions. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, and liberal Hollywood, Rob Reiner, meathead. The Republican Party is out of its collective effing mind. OK, good luck with that. Good luck with that. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. And don't think 72, 73 million Americans are just going to go away and just say, oh, we're going to let our country go to hell in a handbasket. I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. They get their way, and you got Hyden Biden, President Trump in exile. Uh, I don't think he's going to be particularly quiet as they try to undo all the great success that he's had. Could get interesting. And then the mob and the media, they'll try to ignore him. But they're not, not going to be able to give up their hate Trump drug that easily. All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. By the way, the president's approval rating, Rasmussen has him at 52%. How much do you want to bet there's a ton of people already with buyer's remorse? Linda, don't you think the mob, the media, they were so addicted to hating Trump. They are. They have no idea. <laughs> this might be their worst nightmare. <laughs> it really might be. Uh, what are they going to do with Biden? Biden? What are they going to cover every night? Joe came out for five seconds today. Can you imagine? You don't even yeah, want to go. No, it's not. That. I'm actually arguing with Ethan about it because I, I don't really listen. I, I'm, I'm on a completely different level on this. I think these people are um, evil. I think they're complicit. I think that there are members of the media who have fear mongered on levels that I have never seen before. They have created division. They have created this animosity. Linda, it's disgusting. Linda, yes. They've lied to this country for four years every day. Yeah, but the thing is, they've Sean, hated. They, they've I disagree never ex- with you. It's not about that. They spread conspiracy theories every day. They yeah, but hate we're this too guy. smart for that. I'll tell you what really bothers me. It's not even that they lied to us, because if you can't do your due diligence and you don't know how to read and you don't know how to figure it out for yourself, we got bigger problems. But when you actually say all you people hate all you people and all you people stink and all you people are great and you start creating these divisions in our country, it's really, really sad. Linda, this is every election. What do I always say? Mm. Every two, every four years. This is the worst I've ever seen, boss. I mean, I know we see it every four, but. It's the absolute worst, but it's been building. It's not, didn't come out of nowhere. Can't even have a conversation now, though. Like if I say to somebody, oh, yeah, you think that? How come? Why are you asking me how come? Oh, I I thought that's how conversation worked. I'm sorry. If you wear a MAGA hat, it's, look, we saw everything with this kid, Nicholas Sandman. I mean, these people that go and they peacefully protest. I thought we admired peaceful protesters in D.C. this weekend. Look at how they're treated. Disgusting. Let me th- and let me tell you but something. But they're children, no less. They're little kids. 72 million Americans are pissed off. And how much and of the mainstream media is covering it? Zero. 
Yeah, well, that usually ends up on our plate and a few. And by the way, just a few others. There's not a whole lot of us, to be honest. No, there's not. All right. You want to yell at me in a minute. We'll do that on the other side. I'm reading on Twitter. I have not confirmed it yet that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled Philadelphia did not violate state election law when they restricted how close uh, poll observers could stand to uh, buy to watch the processing of mail-in ballots because of COVID. Uh, How about no, they should have um, made accommodations knowing considering they were ignoring the great Dr. Fauci. And by the way, I do like Dr. Fauci. I I know everybody made a million mistakes in this, and every model was wrong. Everybody got everything wrong. Nobody did it maliciously. I don't believe that. And I I think he worked with the best of intentions. No mask, yes mask, no mask, CDC guidelines. This one changes, that one changes. Um, I just think nobody expected the worst pandemic since twenty. Since 1917 and 18, for crying out loud. Um, and But with that said, this is where I get into a fight with Linda here. And I'll, I don't even know if I want to open this door because this is not going to work in my favor. Um, we got a lot of issues emerging out of this. Governor's now ratcheting up all these restrictions ahead of Thanksgiving. I mean, there are a lot of them. And, you know, some people saying to cancel it all together. California, Pennsylvania, governors, mayors you know, restrictions and, you know, you, how, how are you going to eat outside when it's like 20 degrees out? I, that's, that's not going to work well. Uh, you know, and then I love Governor Whitmer's husband. He breaks the rules. Gavin Newsom breaks the rules. Who else broke the rules, you know, that's out there lecturing the rest of us? Um, but the big news to me is Operation Warp Speed and the president pushing for a vaccine fast it's now paid off because now we've got two of them. We told you about Moderna's announcement yesterday. 94.5% efficacy rate, which is amazing, <clears throat> especially, you know, January 21st was the first known case of coronavirus, if you can believe it. What a year this has been that we had. And here we are less than a year later. We've never broken down the sequence of a virus this fast ever in human history. Uh, with a vaccine that's 94.5% effective. I mean, it's, and I know that a lot of states now are experiencing what we said would happen, which is it's not if, it's when you get a rebound. Uh, I talked about that a lot at the time with Dr. Oz and our medical aid team here. Um, by the way, California authorities, with all their restrictions, they're traveling to Hawaii as they tell residents in California to stay home. Governor Cuomo ripped for telling others to admit mistakes, but, you know, let's not let's not deal with that nursing home decision. And I think Governor Cuomo did it on purpose. No, I don't. I think he made a mistake and it was a costly one and can happen, especially when you had the beds that were built by the president that nobody used. Actually, this is I'm not even making this up. The Blaze has a story today that strip clubs are set to reopen in California, but churches remain locked down. You can't make that story up. Uh, Coronavirus death rate for kids has fallen to zero point zero one percent. I mean, that's the strangest thing. People devote their entire lives to viruses and studying viruses and finding vaccines and cures and, you know, like, for example, N1H1, as Joe calls it, you know, swine flu, 
that impacted kids more than adults. This thing attacks older people more than younger people and people with compromised immune systems. Um, uh, then we have, you know, some people, by the way, Sweden, remember they, they had the herd mentality thing. Now they're, they're putting on, you know, on restrictions because I guess it worked and it didn't work and it worked again. I, I never bought into it myself, but you know, it's, I, I don't think, again, I think people were trying what they thought would work best. I don't think they wanted to kill people. At least I would hope that's not their intention. Um, Biden is, says he wouldn't hesitate to get a COVID-19 vaccination if deemed safe. Well, I think these pharmaceutical companies are saying that it's safe. Um, then you have, uh, the battle on Thanksgiving and you got, for example, a County in New York is saying they're not going to comply with governor Cuomo's orders citing mass depression and stress resulting from a constant barrage of regulations. This is Fulton County Sheriff Richard Giardino announcing the decision in a scathing Facebook post on Saturday. I guess they're going to come and arrest him probably by week's end. Uh, and, you know, they're telling some people not to even have Thanksgiving or to have it outside or to only have three people. Or have, which family member are you going to say no to? <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, now, I think it's just, the, to me, I'm, I'm mesmerized, fascinated I have a lot of friends that are doctors. One's a brain surgeon. I actually watched up front a brain surgery because I'm a lunatic. And, you know, anyway, Linda doesn't like the idea of taking the vaccine. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Dr. Josh Umber is with us right now uh, with Atlas MD, good friend of the program. Dr. Harvey Reich is back with us, Yale epidemiology professor. Guys, welcome back. Thank you for being with us. Good to be with you. Always. Dr. Josh, you've been with us the whole time, and, and Dr. Rice, you too. Great job, both of you. I, I look at this as like an amazing thing, and half my friends say under no circumstances would they ever take it. Dr. Umber. No, I, I agree with you that this is really a miracle of modern medicine and, and science that um, we could leverage 20 years of studying the SARS family of uh, viruses into uh, a functional, safe, and incredibly effective vaccine in the course of eight, nine, ten months. Uh, There's it, nothing short of fantastic. We stand on the shoulders of all the science that has come before us, and, and I think this is a great opportunity. Dr. Reich, what do you think? Well, I think there's reason to be optimistic. I think that there are some uncertainties, and I think the likelihood of benefit is much stronger than the likelihood of harm. And I think it has to play out. And I think that people who are feeling that they're at more at risk will be more willing to volunteer to take it, and they'll become, in a sense, our society's guinea pigs. And that's what it'll take. It'll take some months, you know, three to six months, before that plays out more and people become more comfortable with it, and there will be gradual uptake and assuming that it's found to be highly effective. And that's a transition time where we'll still need to cover the people for whom it doesn't work or who uh, or doesn't work well enough or who can't get it. Or we may find out that there are variants of the virus, like the, the newly um, increasing the N439K variant mutation of the, of the virus, that it may not work for at all because it's got a, a different protein on the outside than the, the regular virus. So all these are unknowns, and we'll just have to work through it. And Dr. Umber, I mean, what frustrates me, too, I mean, I, I like the phrase Oz used which when he would say that you go to Army with the war, you go to the 
war with the army you have, not the one you wish you had. And that's when we were right. talking about different treatments like hydroxychloroquine, uh, zithromag zinc, etc., or later remdesivir, or now even Regeneron or convalescent plasma and all these other treatments. Um, so there's still, like, for example, a lot of kids are coming home from college. They have this thing because it's been spreading like wildfire on some college campuses, which then puts mom and dad at risk and grandma and grandpa at risk, right? I mean, definitely, the, the you know, there's that exposure, and as people travel again, um, they're going to get it, and then they're going to go back home for the holidays, and, and which is why we do see a spike of you know, just even normal influenza as, as people travel. So I, I think some of that um, is preventable, and some of it's just not, as we have to go in, and live our lives. And Dr. Rich, I mean, what would, it, what would be your preferred treatment at this point? I think that doctors now have a repertoire of drugs to use that are very effective in outpatients used early. Hydroxychloroquine is one, ivermectin is another, vitamin D, zinc, um, steroids if indicated. Uh, there's even more. There's, there's a number of things that have been increasingly shown to be useful, and these are clinical judgments that doctors make with each patient, and it's not a cookie-cutter recipe, but it's why doctors practice medicine with their patients. The strangest thing that I noticed, Dr. Umber, is some people, you know, that they really fall prey to this thing. Other people get it. And by the way, younger and older, not just younger. And they have either zero symptoms or next to zero symptoms. Why is that? Well, I, I think, yeah, that's definitely an interesting aspect of it. Um, and probably lots of reasons. One, I think we have a lot of false positives on the tests. Um, you know, for example, if it's not a PCR test, it's not as accurate, and the airlines won't accept it. Uh, so, as, as an example of the proof that it's less accurate, and so then you have people say, "Well, I tested positive, uh, but didn't have any symptoms," and so you'd wonder if they were a false positive. Uh, for the patients who we've seen that have tested positive on PCR, uh, the vast majority have had you know, mild to moderate, moderate to severe symptoms, uh, very few hospitalizations. I think that is aspect of a younger, healthier group, uh, potentially. Um, but I, there was an interesting study out yesterday that started to explain why people might be reacting differently. And it's really, in some cases, it's the body's response to the infection more than the infection itself, much more like an autoimmune illness. And so then the body revs up and attacks everything, um, which might uh, give an interesting mechanism of action for the uh, medicines like Plaquenil, uh, HCQ, uh, for uh, why they help is because they calm down that body's um, inaccurate over-response. So I agree, we, we have a lot of ways to, to manage the, the people, who, uh, all spectrums of, of their response. Last question. Dr. Rich, are you inclined to take the vaccine? I'm thinking about it. Um, I personally would choose hydroxychloroquine as a prophylaxis or ivermectin as a prophylaxis versus the vaccine. But then again, I'm in my 70s already, and for me, I think the vaccine's less likely to, to be that strong uh, of uh, you know, protection compared to the medications. But I'm open to it. Wow. Dr. Josh? Oh, I can't wait to get it. What are you? Oh, you can't wait to get it. Is that what you said? Can't wait to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, and I said that now I'm going to be very blunt. The fact that I get a flu shot every year drives half my friends nuts. Linda cannot believe I do this every year. And I, I did it, I don't know, whatever, two months ago. Well, so do um, I. 
Yeah, I mean, but all right. Anyway, Dr. Rish, thank you. Dr. Umber, thank you. There's our answer. Uh, Linda, why are you so resistant towards this? Why? Resistant towards what? The flu shot? Yeah, any the flu shot, the vaccine, you're like, no way, never happening, not going to happen. Well, I'm I, not taking that thing, you know. I think a lot of things that happen in our country can be avoided by self-care, self-awareness, taking the proper supplements, eating right, working out, and all these other things. I think Americans on the whole are pretty lazy. They don't like to get out. They don't like to work oh, out. Boy. What? Am I wrong? So are you saying work, working out is not going to stop you from getting the virus? This is what, the, no, you're not listening to me. That's a different conversation. You mean when having ta- a strong I'm, immune I'm system? I'm saying just be, being healthy. So being healthy in general, taking your part in your own well-being is one conversation. Then the second conversation is, okay, now there's a vaccine out there. Now, I'm not saying that the vaccine is good or not because I don't know enough about it. But on the whole, there was a lot that we could do for the American people from the beginning, but we weren't allowed to do because of government restrictions. As Dr. Rich just said, there are other ideas and prescriptions and therapeutics that can be used hydroxychloroquine ivermectin with the use of selenium and zinc and other items that you would check with your own personal primary care physician to discuss will allow you to be prophylactic and prepare yourself when you first get it we could have saved people in their 80s and their 90s we could have saved people with pre-existing conditions and i'm in this group chat with all of these huge stanford harvard yale Cornell, you know, practicing at Lenox Hill Hospital. Wait, wait, let me finish. And they were able to treat all these people and all these compromised groups, and they were okay. And now we have a vaccine that costs a fortune. Okay, but this is the saddest part. The saddest part was you couldn't even have the discussion. Exactly my point. They politicized it and shut it down where, okay, do we have the perfect answer? No, but what do we got to maybe work with and have some hope and try to save these lives? You're right. And that, that by the way, I blame the mob for that. A lot of the media mob couldn't even mention Donald Trump is selling you, you know, whatever. Because he mentioned hydroxychloroquine or that he had taken it at one point early on. Um, it's just sad. Um, but then we've made more advancements. Then it was remdesivir. Then it was convalescent plasma. Then it was Regeneron. Then it's right. Eli but the bottom Whitney line is they politicized the American people's health. Period. Yeah. End of sentence. What did Roz always say? Politics, medicine, intersect. Politics always wins. All right. Exactly we got to right. take a break. Uh, Matt Towery is going to weigh in on the Georgia race. Really important. Senator Lindsey Graham will join us. All right, glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, our friend Matt Towery, syndicated uh, columnist, he is a pollster. He's nailed the last two presidential elections pretty darn close, as close as anybody in politics. He has an article he wrote today for Real Clear Politics about the state of Georgia. Uh, just as background, I got to know Matt when I was a local host in Georgia from 1992, I'm dating myself here, to 1996, and he was also did a lot of polling over the years for Newt Gingrich, was a lieutenant governor candidate himself. He was in the state legislature. I don't know if you were, were you a senator in the House? I don't remember. I was, I was, I was, I was in the House. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you write this piece. Uh, I'm going to speak in Georgian. A realistic primer of the runoffs in the the great state of Georgia, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, you talk about the scene in The Godfather uh, where Michael Corleone 
meets in a small restaurant and he's there with this rival mafia boss and a corrupt cop and he has a gun hidden in a bathroom, comes out, guns blazing, kills the two of them. And But in the meantime, they had been speaking Italian and not and the cop didn't understand what they're talking about. And then you end this thing with now you know how to speak Georgian, which was pretty funny about, uh, you know, uh, about this race. Now, we know the significant importance of Georgia right now and these two Senate races. Insider advantage, Fox 5 Atlanta, which you poll for. You came out with a poll just moments ago, and I, I'm looking at it for the first time. You have yeah. David Perdue and his race at 49-49. You have the Democrat, Raphael Warnock, who seems like a pretty radical kind of extreme left guy, uh, up by a point, 49-48 over Kelly Loeffner. You have the governor of Georgia's approval rating at only 37%, disapproval of 44%. Now you take it from there. You know Georgia better than anybody I know. Well, so it's it's a very complicated situation in Georgia. For your listeners, so they understand, the demographics in Georgia have changed substantially over the last 10 years. It used to be if you had a, a runoff election after a general election, a Republican nominee would win, a la Senator Saxby Chambliss, who easily won his runoff election back years ago. That's not the case anymore. Georgia obviously was very tight. Biden ended up winning it, although a lot of people in Georgia don't believe that that was a fair election. In fact, 73 percent of the Republicans we surveyed said they did not believe the results were fair and accurate. And therein lies some of the problem, Sean. These voters love Donald Trump, these Republican voters. He is, as I said, he's not just a political figure. He's a religion for these Republicans in Georgia. They're very upset about the results in Georgia. They don't feel like they were fair and accurate. That's what the poll's saying. And they haven't heard much from their leaders there. They're dispirited. And whether or not they're going to turn out at the levels they did for Donald Trump is a critical part of whether these two senators can go from being deadlocked or behind to being able to win. It's a critical part. And right now, it's very iffy. The other thing that's iffy is Raphael Warnock Yes, he seems to be pretty radical, and he has some pretty uh, left-of-center ideas, but he's doing a great job of packing it, packaging himself on Atlanta television. And Kelly Leffler decided that the, their group decided to run an ad early on that took him on with some of his radical positions, which, which was fine, except the imagery that they used, the, uh, the Warnock campaign was able to turn around and say, basically, these are personal attacks. I'm a good guy. I'm talking about issues. I think it was a bad first step for the Leffler campaign. It was not something I would have done because what it does is it puts them on the defensive, and it's, and it's reflected in these numbers. This is such a big survey that I have, one of the biggest I've ever done in Georgia, that I don't think there's much margin of error. I mean, the, the statistical margin of error is 3.5%, but you know my work, Sean. I'm usually within a one-point level or so of my accuracy. I think this is dead on right, and these things are going to be heartbeat type races where Republicans are going to have to really get their act together to keep those two seats in the U.S. Senate. The problem, I would argue, too, is that, you know, now we have Thanksgiving coming up, right? And then you have uh, Christmas coming up. You're literally talking about how many people vacation Christmas week or New Year's week, which is always my long, big vacation every year, right? Uh, my one right. big vacation. And you know, and then you come back on Monday and then the election's Tuesday, January 5th. Now, uh, the Democratic Party 
I, and I'm just speaking anecdotally here, is, you know, Stacey Abrams has a very solid organization and getting the vote out obviously worked to some extent. Now, the accuracy, it was interesting that 73 percent of Republicans in Georgia, they, they don't think this outcome was fair and accurate. And I guess when you find twenty six hundred ballots and maybe more, apparently, I just found out today. Uh, after two weeks after the election, I mean, how does anyone have confidence in the results of any election when they screw it up that badly, knowing that states can do it easily and get it right every day? Um, and yet, the, why do you think the governor's approval rating down there is tanked? Well, I think partially because people look to the governor and the secretary of state to provide some guidance when President Trump appeared to be just twisting in the wind here. And and they heard too many stories. I mean, People in Georgia wanted to know why they quit counting vote, votes. That happened in a lot of locations, and I know that that's been disputed allegedly by the AP fact-checkers. But in reality, we had a lot of places just sort of shut down for a period of time and suddenly started counting votes again. And I'll tell you, a news story just broke across the wire here that the Secretary of State in Georgia is now investigating two instances of, of potential mismanagement by the Fulton County, which is the largest county in the state. It's where the city of Atlanta is located, their elections board. So this is starting to unravel more. And even the Secretary of State, who seemed to be very reticent to question anything, is, is now having to look into this more than I think they expected. Do we know any more on that? No, I, I literally just saw this just as I got on air. Uh, apparently, it, it's two various uh, instances, one having to do with the chain of custody, big shock there, some of the ballots, and then another one having to do with, with um, monitors with ballots. But we've heard these stories replete. I mean, I, I can say, because I have so many people in Georgia who report back into me, uh, given the fact that you know I did serve in office there, I worked for all, all three of the network affiliates. I was their political analyst at one time or another. The only one I didn't do was CBS. And, and I know tons of people there. And the stories I heard back from the people who went to monitor, it was just a disaster. People were told they had to stand across the other side of the room. There, there were tables where there were no monitors placed. Uh, some were, were, were told to, to be quiet. One person observed the th- um, three ballots be, being count- counted for Biden that were for Trump. The person who was supposed to check up on it said they were Trump. They changed those. But then at another table, the person who's supposed to check on the balance wasn't even looking at them, just putting them you know, back into a bin. It was a chaotic mess. And anybody who portrays Georgia's recount as being a real check of the vote in that state doesn't know what they're talking about. You had a question in your poll that said signatures should match licenses or official registration. And it was an easy win, 70 to 19 percent. Uh, with 11% undecided, and I'm thinking, um, now, they had this consent decree earlier in the year after, what, a lawsuit by the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committees, and I guess as part of the consent decree, if you requested, and correct me if I'm wrong, a mail-in ballot that, that you would, that application, as long as it matched the signature on the ballot, the application and, and, and what was on the ballot, that would suffice, which is different from the database that was used for day of voters. Like if you showed up to vote in Georgia and, you know, I guess you need a picture ID in Georgia, I'm pretty sure. And then they match your signature up against the signature in the database. So two d- different systems. 
And I think Lynn Wood has been looking into that as potential equal protection argument there. Yeah, well, the real, the real question here is this. So we've heard numerous statements by the Secretary of State, and he said that all of the, every ballot, um, including allegedly the absentee ballots, went through this database process, process check. But before he said that, they said that every ballot that was applied for online that was absentee required a photo ID. That means the, the vast majority of the absentee ballots that were applied for were applied for by mail, and there was no uh, photo ID requirement whatsoever. So already you have one thing, a photo ID requirement for people who show up or go online, but no photo ID requirement for people who just mail in absentee ballots. And I think Stacey Abrams is saying she has 600,000 mail-in absentee ballots already in her pocket right now that that she's going to be delivering. So that's an incredible number of votes. We still don't know. It's never been made clear, Sean, whether those ballots that were sent by mail, absentee ballots, whether the original application where there was a signature was loaded into the central state database and somehow that was used to check against when the ballot was sent in. If that's the case, well, then you have no way of knowing if that's a real person or not. That's a situation that's completely different than someone showing up at the polls signing their signature and it being scanned into the database, because that database is, of course, from the DMV or from the voter registration card. It's an incredibly confusing mess. And that's why 73% of Georgians um, on the Republican side said they don't have any faith in the election. Now, I don't know how in the world anyone can feel good about the job they've done if the vast majority of the party that elected them says that they don't have any faith in the, in the results. I mean, this, this is unbelievable to me which would mean that uh, court packing and all this other garbage, everything's on the table, Schumer, and you got, you know, people from California now wanting to, you know, Hollywood actors and actresses want to fly out there, and Joe Biden will be in there, I'm sure Obama will be in there, and, and so on and so forth. Democrats have seemingly an advantage with this built-in, you know, mail-in ballot system, uh, and I guess Stacey Abrams, I, I can't fault her for doing a good job of mobilizing Democrats in the state of Georgia. I just, I don't understand why Republicans haven't done the same. Well, everything in Georgia is cooked against the Republicans, even though they control the legislature. I mean, consider this. Anyone who's a registered voter can show up and vote. They didn't have to vote in the, in the general. They can still go register and vote. That's crazy. The time of the, of the vote, if you were going to choose the worst possible time to hold a runoff, it would be for Republicans January the 5th, right after everyone in this country is on vacation, including you and me. So how do you expect people to show up and vote um, when, you, when you place it at such an, a, a difficult time period? And then you have Stacey, and I give her all the credit in the world because that's what her job is. She's, she's got this mail-in ballot ahead of time, and their ground game seems to be way ahead of the Republicans. Now, I don't want the Republicans who listen to this program to think that I'm saying that the Republicans are going to lose. <clears throat> but I am going to say this. The Republicans right now are a slight, in my opinion, underdog in these races. And anybody who doesn't realize that is trying to whistle to the graveyard. This is a very serious situation for Republicans. You have two, two candidates with different messages you have um, an African-American candidate who can drive up the African-American vote. You mentioned Obama coming to Georgia. That's certainly going to help. And he's actually got very good ads on TV right now. Then you have another candidate in John Ossoff who comes across as a very middle-of-the-road candidate 
sort of a centrist. He's not. He's to the left of center, and I think most people who know him would tell you that. But that doesn't mean that the television audience in metro Atlanta, where we've seen the suburban white voters begin to actually move to the Democratic Party, doesn't mean that they're going to be scared off from him. So this has got to be handled absolutely surgically correctly in in Georgia, or you're going to see at least one Senate seat lost and potentially both. I'm going to put your article that's on Real Clear Politics and the Insider Advantage Fox 5 poll up on Hannity.com. And if you're in Georgia, know somebody, uh, send it to everybody you know there. This is real. Matt Towery, thanks so much for being with us. Cramming a battle uh, going on with the Secretary of State of Georgia. We'll get to that. Uh, ben is in Delaware. Ben, how are you? Glad you called. Ben, are you, know, you the there, sir? Called, yeah, hi. It was very well. The reason I called was just to talk about the Million MAGA March. I was there in person, and any casual observer can see that this is a truly multicultural, multi-ethnic, every color, race, creed, and background, young and old. I saw bikers and rappers and Christians and gays and straights. I saw every mix you could possibly imagine, and they were praying together in unison, 100,000 people plus. I saw them singing the national anthem. I saw them celebrating their individuality. I saw performance art. I saw dance routines. I saw rappers. I saw it all. And to see them pray was truly powerful. All they are is constitutional supremacists. They want a free and fair election. That is it. I saw love. I saw unity versus hate. You know, I I tell you, Ben, this is the amazing thing. I don't know what it is. And I've noticed this in my adult life doing what I do. It's like people have these perceptions of conservatives and by the you know it, partly it's the democratic party they they want us to be viewed as racist sexist xenophobic homophobic islamo you know all that crap every year and it's it's that's not the people that i know and you know this the, the president's 72 million people army here are real hard-working people i argue the people that really do make america great it's the people that make it great uh, they weren't there. Peaceful protests, no rioting. There was some violence, but it wasn't them, you know, except defending themselves from the, all the reports I've seen. And I'm just like, you know, this is the working heart and soul of America, which, by the way, is now being told no Thanksgiving uh, under mandate. You know, I, I'm telling you, it's just like these false caricatures are I just people think it's crazy. I mean, just not true. But we've been dealing with that pretty much our whole career. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, when we get back, 800-941-SEAN is our number. We'll get to more of your calls, too. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. So we just had on Matt Towery, uh, of course, his polling company, Insider Advantage, Fox 5, which is the local news station down in Atlanta, uh, have these the poll out. And it is a dead heat. Purdue and Ossoff, 49%. Uh, in the case of Kelly Loeffler, down one point, 49-48. Uh, the governor's approval rating's tanking, down to 37. That's not good. Uh, 73% of Republicans don't think the election was fair and accurate. Uh, they just found 2,600 votes yesterday. How could they? Uh, so a lot, of, a lot to chew on here, considering how important those two Senate races are. Lindsey Graham talked to the Secretary of State. Oh, I guess this has this announcement. Apparently, some other issues now have just 
broken as it relates to Fulton County. We'll get an update on that in a second. And then he's actually saying, well, Senator Lindsey Graham put pressure on me to, and here's what he said. There's several specific issues I want to get to. You described uh, to the Washington Post a conversation you had with Republican Senator Lindsey Graham on Friday. You came away with the impression that he essentially wanted you to look for ways to toss out mail-in ballots. What exactly did he say to you? Well, he asked if the ballots could be matched back to the voters. And then I I got the sense it implied that uh, then you could throw those out. uh, And he really would look at the counties with the highest um, frequent error of uh, signatures. So that's that's the impression that I got. But, uh, you know, we've got signature match in place. We have signature match when you request the ballot, absolutely ballot. And then we have signature match when it comes in. And then with our new online absentee ballot portal, uh, that has photo ID. And so we feel really confident that the election officials have done their job. And that's what they're charged to do is do their job and make sure the signatures match. I just want to be clear on this, uh, Mr. Secretary. You say uh, Senator Graham wanted you to find ways to get rid of legally cast ballots uh, because CNN asked him about these allegations. He denied them. He says that's ridiculous. Uh, uh, His words, that's ridiculous. Well, it's just an implication that uh, uh, look hard and see how many ballots you could throw out. And uh, and I think that they were looking at that as part of a court case. And one actually was subsequently filed, wasn't it? Notice what he said there. I got the sense uh, that I wanted to look hard at the ballots. Anyway, apparently there were other people on the call. And one such person was the election implementation manager, some guy named Gabriel Sterling. And he said, no, the call was answering process questions, and that's what we were doing on the call. And Sterling said that Graham was seeking information about the process if a party wanted to go to court, take action against mail ballots where signatures don't match. Anyway, Senator Graham joins us now. Well, I guess you I guess you feel pretty vindicated. How many other people were on the line? How many people were there? Uh, a bunch of people, my staff. I called up the Secretary of State of Georgia, I'm trying to figure out how mail-in balloting works throughout the country. And here's what I can tell your audience. If we do not come up with a better system to verify signatures on mail-in ballots, that's the end of the Republican Party. Stacey Abrams is taking over the Georgia election system. Uh, Somehow they signed a consent decree allowing the ballot application to go into the database. So if you got an envelope with Bob Smith's name on it, signature, you don't want to compare it to the ballot application because if there was fraud, you're comparing it to the forger's signature. You want to compare it to a signature before the ballot was applied for, some signature of Bob Smith before they applied for the ballot. So there are all kind of concerns I have, not only with the consent decree, but here's what I've learned nationally and particularly in Georgia. A single individual decides whether or not a signature is uh, legal, is appropriate. It's not bipartisan. There is no group of people. Uh, at every county election office, a single person looks at the signature on a ballot, on an envelope, and decides if it's valid or not. That, to me, is just not appropriate. You should have bipartisan review of counting ballots. You should have bipartisan oversight of sorting ballots. And you should have bipartisan signature verification. If we don't insist upon that, we're really setting ourselves up for a massive failure here. So what am I asking? 
nothing really other than improving the system while you still have a chance to make sure that every signature that's validated when it comes to mail-in ballots is validated in a bipartisan way by people who know what the hell they're doing. That's all I've ever asked of anybody. Now, this is in the poll that uh, Insider Advantage came out with, and we just had Matt Towery. It literally just broke, and he asked that question, signatures should match licenses or official registration. 70% yes, they should match. Only 19% said no. And by the way, the governor wouldn't (laughs) solve the issue as a 37% approval rating. uh, Not particularly good for him. Now, that then impacts, you got a July, I'm sorry, a January 5th runoff, two Senate races, two Senate seats. And this is going to have a hell of an impact on this country if the Democrats win those two seats. Then it's 50-50. That means the president of the Senate, if it's Kamala Harris, would be the tiebreaker. That wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be good. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to learn from the the election of the president. What have we learned? That when it comes to validating signatures on a mail-in ballot, uh, states do it differently, but there no there is no system in place to make sure it's bipartisan. Stacey Abrams is now claiming she's got 600,000 absentee ballots already moving in the system. She's called for people to move into Georgia from out of the state to vote uh, because under Georgia law, apparently, if you come within 30 days of an election, you're eligible to vote. The Democrats are pulling out every stop to try to take these two seats in Georgia. And all I'm saying, and I want every Republican to understand, we should insist that when it comes to mail-in voting, that the signature be validated professionally in a bipartisan way. Is that too much to ask? So the Georgia legislature, the governor of Georgia, what I would urge them is to look at the system and see if you can make it better, see if you can make it more secure. Make sure that when we vote by mail that the signature that's the key to the ballot being legitimate is validated in a bipartisan fashion. When you go on Election Day, Sean, you have to show an ID to prove you are who you are. Voting by mail, the only proof that you are who you are is the signature, and you need a process that is professional, that is bipartisan. Well, you can't have two separate systems. And what I don't understand is why didn't they just check the signature as part of the process to make sure it matched? And then Doug Collins told me yesterday, yeah, well, those uh, applications are gone. Is that true? All I can tell you is that if you're comparing the the signature the on the, on the ballot to the person who applied for the ballot, then you're checking the forger signature against the forger. You got to have a signature on record before somebody applied for the ballot because that's where the fraud takes place. But here's the way it works apparently in many places, particularly Georgia. A mail-in ballot comes to a county, a single person by themselves says that's good or that's not good. If they want to fill it out, they have to go get another person look at it. But some of these counties I guarantee you the rejection rate is almost zero. Is it too much to ask that if you're going to observe in a bipartisan fashion how they count the votes, why don't you want to observe in a bipartisan fashion how they validate signatures on a mail-in ballot? That is missing. That is missing all over the country, and we have time to fix that. All I'm asking is that we have a system where Republicans and Democrats look at the signature together, and if there's a dispute, have an appeals process, put it in the hands of an outside party. 
when you were running in your just your recent race and you had a big victory in South Carolina, one of the big issues, I mean, they threw over a hundred and million dollars against you and you had the likes of Barbara Streisand, Rosie O'Donnell. That's nothing compared to what's now about to descend on the great state of Georgia in terms of outside millions and tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions between now and, and the time people vote January 5th. The, the downside is it seems the Democrats are organized to already apply for their mail-in ballots. The governor refuses to correct the problem. He's a pretty stubborn guy. We've tried to you know get answers from him, and he's in hiding. And the Secretary of State obviously has no desire to do it based on what his statements are. So now you're stuck with a faulty system, polls that are dead even, and, uh, you know, the consequences potentially for the country, you know, when all said and done, could be enormous. Well, it's beyond enormous. It's life-changing. It changes the structure of America. We go we go to popular vote to pick the president, which means that small states like South Carolina, even Georgia, don't matter. New York and California pick the judges. The Supreme Court will go 9 to probably 13 to make it liberal. Uh, D.C. becomes a state. That's what happens if you lose both seats in Georgia. We need to win both seats. we got an election coming out January 5th. All I'm suggesting is that we have a system that's bipartisan in nature, that when a ballot comes through the mail, the signature is verified by both parties, not just a single person with sole discretion to say yes or no. That, to me, is not unreasonable. We would not allow somebody to show up on the, the day of the vote and say, I am Bob Smith, but I have no identification. Go ahead and vote. So what I'm trying to do is we still have time to fix this problem. I hope we have the will to fix it. As to the money, David and Kelly are going to be outraised probably 10 to 1. I was outraised 4 to 1. I've got a, an account set up, lindsaygram.com. If you go to my website, it will send you to the two Georgia senators so you can give to them through Win Red. Our backs are against the wall. We should win these elections. The polls are tied. We can't sit and waste valuable time. we got a chance to make the system in Georgia better, to make it bipartisan. And if we don't do it, we'll have nobody to blame but ourselves. Well, I mean, you're really describing a dangerous scenario here. And, and not only that, you're also going up against the holiday season. And I mean, you know, and there's been a tough year, tough election. People get tired. They want to be with their families. A lot of restrictions regarding that, too, uh, which we've been talking about today. Um, I, I, I really just wonder, you know, as I just stand back and, and look at this, you know, do you I, I just don't know if I have confidence in the people that are the so-called leaders of the Republican Party down there. That they, they know what the hell they're even doing. Well, I'm not going to beat on people. I know what I talked to the Secretary of State about, and it wasn't for him to throw out ballots. That was beyond bizarre and ridiculous. I know the guy's under siege. but Notice what he said. He says, I implied. Well, okay, I I implied. I I got the sense of. I mean, that's very different than saying it. Well, all I can say is I was talking about a system and how it works and to make sure that we have confidence in it. It's just not Georgia's all over the place. The machines in Nevada that read signatures was turned down so low, according to the Trump campaign, that every ballot went through. How you set the system up determines the quality of the outcome. So 
how about this idea? When it comes to verifying signatures, have something that's reliable, that people will buy into, make it bipartisan, so there can't be any doubt that one party got to pick signatures over the other. Don't leave it into the hands of a single individual. It's too important. You wouldn't allow in-person voting to be done that way. So I'm not here to tell people in Georgia what to do, but I am here to say that what happens in Georgia affects my life, it affects your life, and let's don't wake up January the 6th and having lost these two seats because we didn't take seriously the ability to make sure people voted fairly. Mail-in voting without signature verification is going to be the end of the Republican Party. You said this from day one. You said it. I mean, look, all of this this year, that last-minute changes, you said we'll never win again. Stacey Abrams is trying to cook the election her way. She has got a game plan. She's signing up people to vote, mail-in voting. She is asking people to Sounds vote. like she's being smart to me. I'm saying why isn't, why, are, why aren't, you know, the other side being smart? Now stay right there. More with Lindsey Graham on the other side. 800-941-SEAN. Why do you have editorial control over the New York Post? That, to me, seems like you're the ultimate editor. You do realize that by... Taking down that story, you per, per, you probably gave it more prominence and more visibility than it ever would have gotten had you left it alone. We realize that, and uh, we recognize it as um, a mistake that we made, um, both in terms of the uh, intention of the of the policy and also the enforcement action of not allowing people to share it publicly or privately, which is why we corrected it within 24 hours. All right, glad you're with us. That was uh, at Jack, Jack Twitter. You know, to what extent now that people have been making the switch over to uh, Parler, uh, is this now having on his mindset, his business model? And, you know, at the end of the day, I I just think the real antidote, because we know what they did. We know what they do. We've watched this now and talked about it forever. Uh, same with, you know, Facebook, all these other places, just find alternatives and create competition. And I know it takes effort to switch over. Uh, Linda, you you said to me that you've effectively, you know, changed everything over to Parler as well, right? And you just so, yeah, keep advertising on Twitter to go over to Parler. I think, in my humble opinion, what needs to happen, it's, very, it's a very simple thing. And that is, you know, people who make a decision that we are going to be a free republic and we mean it, we do not capitulate and we do not provide capital to people who want to silence us. Oh, listen, I mean, forget it. It's, you get the radical Democrats in there, they'll be trying to shut down every conservative voice. Uh, anyway, glad you're with us. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Uh, we welcome back to the program to weigh in on this and other things. She's got an awesome book out, makes a great gift. Uh, it's called The Cost, Trump, China, and the American Revival. Uh, our friend, anchor of Mornings with Maria on our sister network, the the Fox Business Network. And, of course, her uh, she's got a great show on Fox News Channel on the weekend, which is must-see Sunday TV. And I don't really watch any other Sunday show because it's not worth watching. Uh, Maria Baratiromo is back with us. Uh, how are you? Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm good. You know, so I'm, you're making this switch, too. You see the pressure on these companies. They get this this liability protection because they're supposed to just provide content, but yet they do all the editorial and they get, you know, Section 230 protection, which is a huge advantage for them over, say, 
uh, the New York Post or, or any newspaper. And I, I don't see that protection staying. Maybe Biden would leave it there, but I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you don't know if, uh, you know, a potential incoming administration is going to say, well, you know, maybe we don't want to do this because they're major donors to our campaign. I mean, I don't know what Jerry Nadler is going to want to do, uh, in, in, you know, as head of uh, the committee, uh, Judiciary Committee. So, you know, it, it is an issue. Don't forget, these guys, the Twitters, Facebooks of the world, uh, this incoming, you know, major people, some big money in terms of donations. So there's that. But look, when this was put into the Telecom Act in 1996, you know, this was thought of as that these companies would be bulletin board companies. In other words, everybody would put their ideas and opinions on the bulletin board. Well, that's not played out. It's just not that at all. In fact, when you look at these companies, they have clearly taken a side. Okay, they are constantly denigrating and criticizing Donald Trump, President Trump, flagging his tweets. Meanwhile, they've got the Ayatollah Khomeini from Iran over there saying death to America. No problem. I mean, the other day somebody called me a Nazi on Twitter. It wasn't taken down. This is outrageous. You know, I mean, it's just outrageous that they are able to just become the arbiters of truth. And they're not. They've taken a side. They are censoring information. And as a freedom-loving American woman that I am, I will not accept such censorship, which is why I moved to Parlor. Yeah, I promote things on Twitter, fine. But I'm in, and I'm not going to blow off my 900,000 followers. I'm there. I'm a woman of my word for them. However, when I want scoops dropped, when I'm doing my Sunday show that you just mentioned, thank you for that compliment, I'm going to drop those scoops on Parlor and elsewhere away from Twitter, where I know that I'm not getting censored as if I'm in communist China. No, I mean, it's unbelievable. And it, you know, but I, so I'm reading this article and uh, it's about you and your book, by the way. And we put it up on Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere, the cost, Trump, China, the American revival. And <laughs> whatever you do, just don't call you a conspiracy theorist. Now, you have been there it hasn't been many of us, and I put you in this category of people that dug deep into this dirty Russian misinformation dossier, and I'm going back to that. The media mob ignored it. Uh, then the FISA application, premeditated fraud, all turned out to be true. None of it verifiable. They knew about it early on. They never did a thing about it. I have no idea what happens with Durham at this point. And, you know, we got it right, and... You know, all these other people in the mob and the media, they got it wrong. And well, that's not- right. That's right. And, and you know what? It's not only that they ignored it, Sean, but I would say they absolutely ran with the lie. And by the way, they got Pulitzer Prizes for it. OK, look at the New York Times and the Washington Post and their Pulitzer Prizes uh, for their headlines of uh, Donald Trump colluded with Russia. There have been no mea culpas. There have been no, hey, by the way, we got this wrong. Here are the facts. None of that at all. They continue talking about potential Russia collusion when we now know as a fact that it was Hillary Clinton's idea to tie Donald Trump to Russia and create some kind of a scandal. It's unbelievable how successful they've been. They've been incredibly successful in terms of getting the media on board and allowing the media to drive this thing forward and and lie to the American people. And now half of the country still has this idea that maybe there was collusion with Russia. Meanwhile, there's a real cause to that, because look at all the stuff they missed. Okay, in January of this year, they were impeaching President Trump. What was going on in January in the world? Coronavirus. 
They missed it. Nancy Pelosi was dancing in the street in San Francisco's Chinatown. What else was going on in January and, and throughout 2017, 18, and 19? Well, they were so focused on taking President Trump down. Uh, China stealing our lunch, eating our lunch, stealing intellectual property, forcing the transfer of technology, acquiring American companies so that they can get a leg up on American companies and then eventually turn around and put those companies out of business because they forced the transfer of technology. All of this stuff has had a cost. I did a whole reporting on how many hours the Judiciary Committee spent on investigating Donald Trump versus China briefings. It's unbelievable. It, there's like two briefings on China and, the, and 11 briefings on something to do with investigating Trump. It's just the American people should be outraged. We want some accountability. Where is John Durham? Where is Bill Barr? I mean, really, nobody trusts the FBI anymore. They're going to need some accountability in order to get our trust back. I don't even know. I mean, where do you go from here? What is, uh, you know, Biden gets in. He's now going to bring in what? James Comey back. I mean, that's a frightening thought. I guess anything is a possibility at this point. You know, how can anyone argue that that zero experience hunter with a billion five deal in China is not compromised? Just like the first lady of Moscow and the Russian oligarch and the Kazakh oligarch and Burisma and all this money. How do you ever argue that you're not compromised? I mean, there's a list of things, a billion dollars from the Bank of China, three and a half million dollars from Yelena, the, uh, the, the former wife of the former mayor of, of Moscow, you know, $82,000 a month working on the board of Burisma, totaling $4.2 million that he, that he took home. I mean, all, and then the worst thing about it and the most outrageous, egregious thing is there's been no comment about it. Not even a, not even a. He never got a question about it. Not no one. Questions, no answers. To, oh, yeah, my son does his own business. I mean, no explanation whatsoever. So what should we expect? That Joe Biden becomes the president and his son is going to be doing deals with companies across the world and, and, and putting money aside for the big guy? I mean, I, somebody should be addressing this. Where's the FBI? I, just, listen, I, know, I, I, I really, thing. I yeah. mean, how could you not be compromised? I watch all of this. I'm listening to your passion. And I'm like, wow, we're screwed. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Well, I just hung up with one of my sources at the DOJ. Really good guy, has done a lot on China. And he said to me, Maria, I'm really afraid. This administration has done so much about China and pushing back on the bad behavior. If he comes in and reverses everything, America's in a bad place. They are going to eat our lunch. And eventually China is going to be the dominant country. And the whole world should be worried about that. You don't want the dominant superpower being a communist country that is tracking all citizens, giving you a social score at the end of the year to tell you if you could even get on a train or not. I mean, it, it's very scary. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer, Sean. It's, it's, ter it's terrible. You mentioned intellectual property theft. I know because it happened to a friend of mine who was once the inventor of the year. Amazing guy. Lost a fortune because of it. Uh, then you've got the China virus. Then you have, you know, these lopsided trade deals. And Donald Trump was the only the ever oh, the only president ever to get a better trade deal because he asked for it. And, you know, I know nobody wants to talk about it, but I st still look at Biden. And I seek weak, frail and struggling cognitively. That's what I see. And if I'm seeing it and everybody privately tells me about it, even Democrats, uh, that means China sees it and Russia sees it and not exactly uh, friendly actors on the world stage. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, yesterday, uh, you know, yesterday he lost his train of thought, and I, it sounded like he did in the middle of it, and then he just reverted to what works, and that is blaming Donald Trump. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no one trusts the vaccine because Donald Trump. I mean, it's just outrageous. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, Donald Trump, he did put in place Operation Warp Speed and directed monies towards it and pushed all these companies as hard as you can push them. Um, and I, by the way, we're having this big argument on this program because I, I look at the efficacy and I look at the 94.5% success rate. And I'm like, yeah, I would, I would take the vaccine. Linda thinks I'm nuts. Would you do it? Yeah, I would take the vaccine. Sure. Uh, if it weren't for President Trump, the industry would not have mobilized so fast as it did. Don't forget one of the key things that he did. He took away red tape and bureaucracy. His main, one of his main economic tools to turning the economy around was deregulation. And that's what he did with the FDA to give these companies incentive to move forward and move forward fast. And anybody who says that Pfizer wasn't involved in warp speed, no. First of all, the administration did a distribution deal with Pfizer so that Pfizer can distribute 100 million doses. So there are, there are deals in place with Pfizer as well as the other companies involved in warp speed. So he led this revolution. You would never see a, a vaccine within 10 months of a pandemic. But you did this year. So what happens? You're the expert on the economy, and, and we've been watching you for years on television, and you know Wall Street better than anybody. You know, so if you implement higher taxes, bring back the bureaucracy, everything's going to be free, Green New Deal, what is the impact on the economy? Now, I don't know anything about Wall Street. The last place I want to invest is Wall Street, because I don't trust Wall Street. I don't know it. I don't understand it. It's not my wheelhouse. So I, I'm very limited in terms of exposure. But, you know, what, what is the average person with their 401k thinking today? Well, look, uh, investing in, um, when you say Wall Street, you, what you're doing is you're investing in American companies. And, and there is a great growth story to investing in American companies over the long term. Those people with 401k should be invested in what's called exchange-traded funds, ETFs. That gives you the, the diversity of lots of different companies in one fund, and they are the lowest in terms of fees. That's number one. Number two, as far as the economy, things have slowed down in the last couple of months. I will tell you that. We got the retail sales numbers out today. It was lower than expected. The consumer, even though the consumer has been strong throughout this pandemic, they've slowed down a bit in the last two months or so. So things are slowing down. If you push through higher taxes, very expensive government programs, uh, you're going to see a real pullback because that is going to signal to companies to pull in their spending, pull in the promotions and the higher, you know, the higher salaries for people. Sit on cash. You're not exactly sure what kind of big government program is just lurking around the corner. So I would expect if these things get through, we're going to see a a pretty sizable sell-off in stocks as well as a sizable decline in the economy. These two Senate races in January in Georgia could not be more important. This is the only thing you've got going in terms of a wall to stop what's coming in, the, the progressive policies that are coming in. But look, we're investigating election fraud right now. I don't know. They found those additional ballots uh, in, you know, in, in the recount in Georgia. If, if there's Pretty unbelievable, on, right? I don't know what's happening. Two weeks later. Oh, 2,600 ballots. Wow, this is really cool. Um, okay. uh, we're going to have to let you go. Listen, I did read your book. I loved it. It's called, uh, we put it up on Hannity.com. It's on Amazon.com and in bookstores. It's called The Cost, Trump, China, and the American Revival. 
Um, and, you, you know, you know business as well as just about anybody that I know. Uh, Maria Bartiromo, Mornings with Maria, Fox Business Network, her weekend show on the Fox News Channel. Uh, thanks, as always, Maria, for being with us. Appreciate it. Congrats on the book. Thanks so much, Sean. Have a good day. 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? Uh, all right, Barbara's in New Jersey. Barbara, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Thanks for being with us. Oh, hi, Mr. Hannity. I'm so excited. First-time caller. I'm a huge fan. But I just wanted to say real quick, I was at the um, rally in D.C. on Saturday, and a bunch of us from Morris County went. It was fabulous. I saw so much unity there. So the Democrats that are saying they want unity, we have it. We have it already. We have it in our party, and they're not going to take – they want to take that away from us, and that's not going to happen. And I just wanted to share – what really blew my mind was there were so many women, young people, African Americans, and uh, even gay and lesbian flags for tr- for President Trump, and it was just amazing. The it, it was the greatest experience of my life. This movement of seventy, I don't, what is the final number now? Uh, is it over seventy-two million now? Seventy-three million? I don't even That's know. Right. That voted for Donald J. Trump for re-election. This is rooted in, remember what, what 2016 was all about, the forgotten men and the forgotten women, and wanting an outsider because Republicans were pretty pathetically weak and, and made promises and never delivered, and the establishment you know, was always ramming moderation and do-nothingism down our throat. And it shows that it's real and it's alive and people you know, love the fight. You know, I, I know that uh, the establishment figures, they're so offended, never Trumpers, by tweeting. And, well, he doesn't have a conventional style. And, oh, I wish he wouldn't say this and that. You know, Barbara, I'm a results person, honestly. I don't get offended by tweets. If I did and I, I read Twitter, there's enough attacks against me that would send me into the loony bin. And, mm-hmm. frankly, I even look at some of them and I laugh because they're outrageously funny. And I just don't care. Whatever switch I'm supposed to have that would care is gone. Um, There is those of us that believe in liberty and freedom and capitalism and want government off our backs and lower taxes and and want opportunities. And yes, the words America and first together. That's not not going anywhere. I mean, you know, let's let this play out. It doesn't come out the way we want. Uh, I don't think that those 72, 3, 4, whatever it ultimately becomes, because we're not done counting two weeks, two and a half weeks later, I, nobody's going anywhere. And what I think the left doesn't understand is they're just going to, it won't take long and they are going to, to first of all, implement things that are going to piss off a lot of this country and motivate people. And all the things that I've tried to warn people about and others tried to warn people about will become our our reality. And and I, I don't think it's going to take long before people say, you know what, enough is enough. It's going to happen quickly. Um, their policies are predictable failures. It's you don't it's been tried and tried and tried again and again. Anyway, I'm glad. Did you have a good time? You didn't see any of the crazy people, did you? Well, we saw some crazy. You know, we saw signs for Biden supporters. They mostly stayed on the sidewalk. We did encounter some 
um, questionable people that, well, we said God bless America. They came back with very um, bad swear words, which I won't say on the, but we just walked by them. And, um, you know, for the most part, we walked by the Capitol and the Supreme Court, and you couldn't even get near there. And, you know, Channel 12 News didn't even really cover it, but it was a huge amount of people. We were peaceful. And you know what, John, what I noticed? We all looked happy. We all were the happy people. The Biden supporters, the few that I saw, looked miserable. So what does that tell you? I don't hear people talking about, like, Madonna and all these crazy uh, people after Donald Trump got elected. I don't hear it from from conservatives. How dare he say the things he does? Of course I want to punch him in the face. Right. Yes. Yes. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. This idiot is the president. The guy is a fool. Come on. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? <laughs> let's keep let's keep watching, Barbara. Ho- holding out hope here. Uh, thank you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. Terry is in Florida. Terry, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Sean, thank you for everything you and your staff for everything that they do to keep us informed and make it truth. And and you take honor in your job. Um, I see that CNN is for sale. And it's a failing company run by people who don't even know how to run a business. I think President Trump should buy it. And like he did with this country, get rid of all the garbage staff and hire people who know how to do their job and do it honestly like you and your staff do. And turn that failing network into the highest rated one that could even surpass Fox's numbers. I, look, I've, I've read it for, it's for sale. Do I know for sure? I don't. I have, really don't have any idea. You know, look, um, well, let, let's just say their dream in the end is fulfilled. And, and you have the weak, frail, cognitively challenged Biden uh, if that happens. But you know something? Then you're going to have a President Trump in exile. And I don't think he's going to be too quiet about the things that are going on. And, and I don't think you're going to see Hyden Biden in the White House. You're not going to see a lot of Joe would be my prediction today. I don't think he's capable of being out there for particularly long periods of time, which, by the way, in and of itself is scary to me. And, you know, everybody before the election, uh, they, now they had no problem talking about Reagan at 84 in his age or McCain in his age when he ran in 2000. But you couldn't even mention Joe's age and his struggling cognitive abilities um, I don't see him as we I see him as weak and frail and struggling. That's what I see. And, you know, it'll be Hyden, Biden, Trump in exile. If that happened, that might be their worst nightmare, because I think anything that Donald Trump says and does will be, you know, will be making a lot of headway. And you're going to see something else emerge, too, because the mob and the media, they're going to realize, oh, hating on Donald Trump actually helped our ratings. Uh, covering Biden is as dull as watching paint dry, and I we they, they're going to have to defend it. They broke it, they pushed it, they own it, and they're now going to be playing defense for this mad socialist rush that they want to drag the country through. And uh, you know, so did I, let's let's just let it play out. Look, I've been through these cycles. This isn't my first rodeo. And I've won elections that I really wanted to win, and I've lost elections I really wanted to win. And, I, you know, it's part of a process. This country 
you know, Mark Penn had an interesting take is that, you know, he views the country as more center right than anything else. And, you know, maybe he's right. He had an interesting analysis. I'm not sure I totally agree with it. But I, I, I think there is a movement that is alive and well, and it's about a new coalition of a Republican Party, which is emerging. And it's, you know, the Democrats now cater to the coastal elites in D.C., New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles. And I think that a new Republican coalition has been formed. It, it was born out in the election numbers. And that would include the working men and, and women in all across this country that make America great. You know, the president's policies dramatically increasing votes uh, among African-Americans, Hispanic Americans. And I think that under the, you know, the economic decline that is predictable with top down government policies and false promises, none of these things they say they're offering is ever going to come true. All right. You'll get your student loan forgiveness. Do I get mine? By the way, Terry, did you have a student loan? Are you going to get your money back? I doubt it. No, I still owe forty-two thousand. Yeah, see, well, maybe you will. Maybe you get ten grand. I don't know. They'll just be handed printing out, printing money, and just handing it out. Where's that going to come from? I mean, you know, socialism is great. Margaret Thatcher said, "Until you run out of other people's money, then what do you do?" Uh, anyway, good call. Appreciate it. Nikki is next in South Carolina. Nikki, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. I was just calling. Thank you. I was just calling. First, I wanted to tell you, the girl Katie that uh, does your phone screening, she's amazing. She's so nice. Everybody on my team, Katie included, is amazing. Oh, my gosh. She is so nice. And it just goes. Well, you just made her Christmas bonus just go through the roof. All right. There you go. Uh, Well, she is the nicest. I mean, I was floored. So just kudos to your Just so you know, Nikki, Katie is literally the shade of a candy cane right now. She is bright red. (laughs) She cannot handle what you're saying. I will say thank you on her behalf because she is mute right now. We'll just take away from Linda's Christmas bonus and give it to Katie. How's that? Hey, listen, you want to start socialism here? Let's do it, Papa. (laughs) Is that right? You need to have a person like Linda around you to keep you in check. Oh, good grief. Yeah, I'm the mean one. You knew it, Nikki. You know. Why am I being attacked here? What? Well, you, you know, Nikki, why, why are you ganging up on me? Why is that? I hang up on you. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, so I was calling. This stuff that happened this weekend, um, My both of my brothers are uh, Marines. They were went from high school graduation stage straight to the bus, straight to Camp um, Pendleton to get, or Paris Island to be Marine Corps. And my baby brother was on a second tour in Iraq and took a pickaxe to the brain. Um, he got, they got ambushed in his group and he took a pickaxe to the brain. Um, and oh, man. Back. yeah, it was, it was insane. Um, the doctors called my mom and my brother who was also a Marine. They served at the same time over in Fallujah. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know if he was going to live or die. They said that he wasn't going to be able to write, be able to drive. And he just graduated with his master's. So, um, it's amazing. I know. So it's amazing. So for military families to see these families go to support their president at Washington, D.C., and knowing that police presence needs to be readily available, and it is not, and people were getting uh, the crap beat out of them only because of who they support is ridiculous. It is, this is America. We are not China. No matter how many times Joe Biden wants to say it, we are not. 
and this is America, and who you want to support does not, it should not impugn on your safety for wherever you are. And I just thought that was really crappy that they did not have the protection that they needed. Um, and I just, I, my heart broke for them. And I felt bad for the people that were there that were military. I'm sure that sparked PTSD, especially being here on their soil. That's just awful. That's, that um, is awful. So, you know, I mean, I hear awful. these stories. It just doesn't it break your heart? It, it does. And I just, from a military family standpoint, the first thing I think of, and now they're talking about lockdowns again. I'm terrified of the repercussions for our military heroes to be locked back up into the house, and then they're just there with whatever resources they have available to them. But I'm worried about everybody's mental health, if military or not, but especially military, because humans aren't meant to be isolated. We're, we're just, we are not, God did not create us that way. And I just think that it's, it's awful. I'm going to tell you, it really, you know, look, I just want to do everything we can do to help our military and help our country. You know, it's going to be, we are, you know, 72 plus million strong. We cannot forget the strength in numbers and voices and principles. They don't change the cause of liberty. The cause of freedom is it is ever ongoing, the battle. And, you know, I just I just have this attitude that you you fight. You win, you lose, you don't give up. And I'm not like the Democrats. I'm leaving the country and I'm never coming back or, you know, having complete meltdowns like uh, when Donald Trump won in 2016. I'm disappointed, of course. Uh, do I do I have trust and faith in our, our system? I, I don't. I mean, you can't if you don't have you have laws that say partisan observers can observe and they can't observe. That bothers me. It should bother every American. You know, sending out tens of millions of ballots randomly. Not Oh, nobody wanted to listen to the great Dr. Fauci then who said, yeah, it's safe to vote in person, socially distance, wear a mask, etc. You know, so anyway, I appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, load it up tonight. Please set your DVR. Hannity, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Uh, Lindsey Graham, the battle that's going on in Georgia. Uh, the very latest on, oh, well, we have more ballots showing up here, there, everywhere, validating this election, that election. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, what Newt Gingrich thinks of all of this. Uh, Mike Huckabee, Pete Hegseth. Leo 2.0, Candace Owens. Set your DVR, Hannity 9 Eastern. As always, thanks for being with us. We'll see you tonight back here tomorrow.